Joining us now from WBHM in Birmingham, Alabama, is Steve Chiatakas, the Morning Edition host. He's also a producer at the radio station, a knowledgeable fellow on the matter of politics, so I thought we would go to to discuss what the votes are going to likely tally in uh, that part of the country. Steve, welcome to Radio Parallax. Hi, Doug. How are you? Well, I'm well. You, you've been you've been following this pretty closely. Florida. Which, yeah. What's going to happen in Florida? Or as Tim Russert says, Florida, Florida, Florida. Uh, Florida is is right now. The polls have it uh, a wash right now. I think you know some polls have it carry up by one fifty forty nine. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Survey USA is up uh, carry up one point fifty forty nine, and then Zogby I think had Florida the other way. And you know we've been doing these these uh, these polls, these daily tracking polls, uh, ABC News, right. Washington Post, and um, Florida. Y- you just don't know what's going to happen in Florida. The, uh, four hurricanes after. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just destruction over there. You're just not sure what's going to happen over there. Um, I, I will tell you that in 2000, um, the the central part of the state, Orlando, the I-4 corridor, um, they, they determined, and, and when I say they, I mean the, the campaigns determined that the, most of the swing voters, the undecided voters, the ones who were um, more fluid, were along the I-4 corridor, Orlando, from about Tampa St. Pete to Orlando to Daytona Beach. That area is, is, is a big swing Area. Okay. So a lot of the candidates, John Kerry, President Bush, they go to that area to try and, and, and sway those voters. Um, I think in South Florida you have a large or a larger Cuban population. Cubans t- typically typically vote Republican, um, and and it's just something that's happened. It's it's kind of a, a, a an anomaly actually because Latinos generally vote right. Democrat, but the Cubans right. for for whatever reason, and and I think it has a lot to do with the, the strength against Fidel Castro um, and and U.S. Um, the uh, embargo there and the, the the trade embargo and all that, right. um, they they tend to vote more conservative, and as does the uh, Florida Panhandle. But it, it's going to be interesting to see if it is a one point game as we're seeing today, um, two weeks less than two weeks before the election. I think we're going to uh, we're going to see the Nader might have an effect again this year. I'm not yeah. sure because people in Florida again. Um, people in Florida remember 2000. They remember, and, and they've been inundated, don't forget, by a lot of Democrats who say that Nader did make a difference last time. Don't let that happen again. Right. So, so we just and, – and the voter registration drives are also – I think that is probably the, uh, the, the big you know, thousand-pound elephant in the room – is is the fact that all the both parties, uh, the Democrats and the Republicans, have been uh, in mass getting out there and getting people, you know, what we call GOTV, get out the vote. Yeah. And uh, in Florida, it's no different. Even with hurricanes, even with uh, bad weather, they've been they've been doing that as well. Well, I guess in in essence, we we just don't know. It's too close to call. It's too close to call in Florida, but it's certainly not too too close to call anywhere else. Well, let's go let's go north of you. Tennessee is Tennessee clearly swung to the Bush camp. I think uh, I think much of the South has has swung to the Bush camp, but I think Tennessee is one of those states. And and Zogby polls. John Zogby has been polling, I guess, uh, battleground states. He, he includes right. Tennessee as one of the battleground states, and and it, it shows. Um, and and his polling has shown that that it's it's still close in Tennessee. You'll recall back in 2000, of course, Tennessee is uh, Al Gore's home state. Right. He lost it. Yeah. A lot of Republicans uh, uh, chided Gore because he lost his own home state. Of course, he hadn't represented Tennessee for eight years while he was vice president, right. so uh, there was some of that. Um, but but Gore lost. Tennessee by about three percentage, three four percentage points. That's about it. Um, this time around, when you look at the polls, I think the, the latest polls have Bush up by anywhere from 
while Zogby in their most recent poll, two points, to uh, maybe five, six points. And I've seen one as much as 11. Um, so 50-39, something like that. But Zogby has them up 50-48. to 48. That's a two-point game in Tennessee. So that's going to be interesting to watch. North Carolina is another interesting state because uh, another pretty hardcore Republican state, uh, a deep red state is what we call it. Hmm. And, Surprisingly uh, North- in play, though. Surprisingly in play, not altogether um, surprising, though, that that John Edwards is from the state of, well, actually, he's from South South Carolina, but represents North Carolina. Um, I think that helps in that respect. I don't think anybody actually thought that North Carolina would become a player, but it has. And uh, latest polls show uh, there's maybe a three to five point difference in North Carolina and Virginia, which which is interesting in its own right. Yeah. No one thought Virginia's voted for a Democrat in like 20 years. It's been a long time, and uh, yeah. it's it's, uh, and it's, it's like it, they say one to three percentage points. I've seen. Yeah, it's uh, Virginia is. Uh, I'm looking at uh, by the Zogby poll that was the, that was taken earlier in the month. Uh, a three point game, 50 to 47, Bush on top. Again, um, we haven't seen North Carolina or Virginia go into the carry column yet. So I, I, I'm not absolutely sure that, that we're, we're, we're seeing some kind of changeover. Right. Um, I, I just think that you're, you're seeing – I mean, don't forget that Virginia, much of northern Virginia is the D.C. metropolitan area. Um, sure. D.C. has just, just gobbled up much of the metro area in, uh, in northern Virginia, Alexandria, Fairfax County, Loudoun County. Right. But even part of West Virginia is D.C. metro. Mm-hmm. So that plays a little part of it, I think, you know, as people move into the D.C. metro um, – there, there tends to be more liberal people who who live around the D.C. area. Um, you know, some of them have moved out of the district itself into the into the suburbs, and that, that could play a role in it. Um, I, I'm just I'm not sure about Virginia politics, but I think I think it is close. I mean, yeah. we, we do see that, and, and it is changeable. Well, the last one I want to ask you about is Arkansas, because I've seen some polls that have uh, carry ahead. Yeah, Arkansas is another one of those anomalies where we look at it and it's like, well, wait a second. Now, of course, Arkansas is the home state of Bill Clinton, so that's one of the givens. That's one of those, oh, well, that could be what's, what's at play here. Win one for the Gipper. <laughs> Win one for the, for the, for the Gipper, exactly. <laughs> um, Arkansas is one of those places where I, I think the economy, um, could, could play a role. Um, I think you've seen Arkansas is another one of those southern states where textile jobs, and, and this could be what's happening in North Carolina and Virginia, I might add, but you see where textile jobs have gone overseas. And, and I can tell you in Alabama that's, that's been a big, big part of the economy here. Um, of course, textile jobs are, are big in, in the southern states and rural states, and, and uh, when you see them going to China or you see them just being eliminated altogether um, without jobs. Now, here in Alabama, we have auto manufacturing that's, that's kind of offset that which is good. Um, in Arkansas, I'm not sure that the, there are other industries that are in that state that are offsetting the, the loss of textile jobs, nor in North Carolina or Virginia, for that matter. And that could be just one of a couple of issues that are, uh, that are facing our Kansans right now, and uh, it could make it close. And in addition to the fact that uh, Arkansas was close in 2000, uh, not, not, I mean, yeah. I think it was a seven, eight point game in 2000. I mean, that's not really close, but it's within 10 points. Um, and in 92 and 96, of course, being the home state of Bill Clinton, um, you know, win one for the home team, and, and they did. 
Well, Steve Giotakis, thanks for sharing your insights. It looks as though it's going to be a nail-biter uh, for everyone on, on election gonna, night. It's going to be a nail-biter, Doug. And I, I tell you, you know, we're going to see the, the deep red states pretty much go the way they've gone. I think, like you say, um, and we don't, you know, in Alabama, we don't consider Florida the south. I mean, that's that's fine, you know, geographically, <laughs> haha, it's south of Alabama. But that's about it. Geographically, mm-hmm. it's the south. The rest of it, it's, it's, uh, it's we call them Yankees. And, uh, and that's fine. And that's fine. But North Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, Virginia. Yeah, those states. It's going to be interesting to watch on uh, on election day. Well, my, from what I can see, if if uh, Kerry makes a breakthrough, and certainly any of those three, Florida in particular, but also North Carolina, Virginia, it it, it bodes poorly for the Bush camp. If you see, and I will, I'll make this prediction right now. If you see a North Carolina, um, now of course East Coast states are going to come in first, and you're going to see the Northeast come in first, Maine all the way down to Pennsylvania and Maryland. If you start seeing a Virginia or a North Carolina or even a Florida, I dare say, someone wants. I, I hate to be the first person to call Florida on election night, but you see one of those states, North Carolina, Virginia, or Florida, go for John Kerry. Um, it does not bode well for, for President Bush. Well, Steve, thanks. We'll be uh, we'll be following it. Maybe we can uh, get some more insight from you again in the future as as this draws closer. I'm here for you, Doug. You let me know. <laughs> All right, thanks. Take care. All right, bye bye. All right, we look forward to speaking with Steve Chiatakis again in the future. He's quite uh, quite a uh, well informed fellow. Um, did anyone notice in the debate, the presidential debate, when George Bush said he, when asked about his sp- Supreme Court appointees in a second term, he brought up the Dred Scott decision, the 1857 Supreme Court decision that stated that Americans of African ancestry were not eligible to be citizens and had no legal rights under the Constitution. Notorious decision. It, it, it also decreed that... Uh, Congress could not prevent the spread of slavery into the Western territories. It was very important in the Civil War, which broke out four years later. I thought it was a very odd thing for uh, Bush to mention that in uh, the debate. But apparently, among his constituency, the key code word in that was that uh, it was a matter of a personal decision about uh, about a life and that this has to do with the anti-abortion sentiments of so many of the Bush supporters. They feel that uh, what's happening in this country is that the unborn are being denied their legal rights and that the Dred Scott decision is an example to them of how things can be done wrong. So when you heard that, you weren't hearing what people were hearing out, I think, in uh, in Arkansas and Tennessee and uh, in Alabama, which was that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing my part in the, uh, the pro-life cause. All right, a few miscellaneous items here. Apparently, Jack Daniels lowered the alcohol content in its flagship brand, Old Number 7 Black Label. That whiskey now registers 80 proof instead of 86 proof, which, of course, is 40% versus 43%. What what caught my eye was the Associated Press report of the angry response of serious drinkers. Frank Kelly Rich, editor of... Modern Drunkard magazine <laughs> came forward to say, you can't screw with a legend like that and get away with it. Mr. Rich has organized an online petition asking the company to switch back. He's gathered about 700 signatures so far. Uh, I just I just I just have to crack up that someone actually is publishing a magazine called 
modern drunkard. I'm, I'm pretty sure that canceling your subscription is at least, uh, you know, is, is involved in part one of the 12-step program. We love talking about science and how science meets politics, so we must cite the following. Senator James Inhofe, Republican Oklahoma, once dubbed the notion of human-induced climate change the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on the American people, has been given an award by the Annapolis Center for Science-Based Public Policy for his support of, quote, rational, science-based thinking and policymaking, unquote. A conservative think tank... Annapolis received over $180,000 in funding last year from that sugar daddy of global warming deniers, ExxonMobil. Senator Inhofe has also challenged the widely accepted notion that mercury in fish poses a danger to fetuses and disputes outright the existence of a hole in the ozone layer. The senator also bears the distinction of being dubbed by the online magazine Slate in 1998, quote, one of the dumbest members of Congress, unquote. All right. Story from China that uh, we can only make mention of today. They believe they have found the long sought after burial site of Genghis Khan. Apparently, a Japanese and Mongolian research team found a complex on a grassy steppe. 150 miles east of the Mongolian capital of Ulaanbaatar, and they think it's the real deal. Stay tuned. We're going to follow that one. That is a fascinating story. Of course, according to history, anyone who knew where he was buried was killed, including the uh, soldiers that escorted the people to and from. So it's been a secret that has um, apparently been kept for seven centuries. And in our final item today, we note the passing of Betty Hill. Betty Hill, whose tale of being abducted by extraterrestrials made her famous and became the subject of a best-selling book and television movie. She died at age 85 of lung cancer. Mrs. Hill became famous after she and her husband Barney were supposedly abducted by extraterrestrials in New Hampshire's White Mountains on a trip home from Canada in 1961. Apparently they got started on this because they noticed that uh, Betty's uh, dress had been torn and that Barney's shoes were scuffed, and that uh, their watches had stopped, and they had no memory of a couple hours of the drive. Under hypnosis, three years later, they recounted tales of being kidnapped and examined by aliens. Mrs. Hill later complained that the quest for knowledge about extraterrestrials had become tainted with commercialism. Too many people with flaky ideas, fantasies, and imaginations were making UFO abduction reports, she told the Associated Press in 1991. If you were to believe the number of people who are claiming this, it would figure out to 3,000 to 5,000 abductions in the U.S. alone every night. There wouldn't be room for planes to fly. (laughs) Mrs. Hill also said the news media had fueled UFO fiction. Quote, The media presented them as huge craft, all brightly lighted and flashing. But they're not, she said in an interview in 1997. They're small, with dim lights, and many times they fly with no lights. And you know, I don't think I have a thing to add to that. So that's it for today's program. We thank again Steve Chiachakis and Stephen Klein-Edler for joining us on the program today. We'll see you again next Thursday for our pre-election special with some very special guests, hopefully Will Durst and possibly Senator Eugene McCarthy. We'll see you then. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Our producer, as always, was Edward McMillan. Now, stay tuned for Todd.